today on CityCast Chicago. You can catch pro wrestling matches in Chicago just about every weekend from the park to neighborhood theaters to the big leagues like SmackDown at Allstate Arena. Me, I've always loved the acrobatics, the theater, the, the characters, the storylines. So I called up Chicago's own independent wrestling star, Cole Cabana, along with former referee and wrestling archivist Phil Wills. They tell us why Chicago is such a wrestling town. It's Tuesday, September 27th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Welcome to City Cash Chicago, fellas. What's up, Jacoby? How you doing? Thanks. I'm doing well. You see, I could just turn that energy on right when I need it, right? <laughs> I feel like I learned that from Monday nights, from Thursday nights, or just how to get into my city cast uh, character, which, you know, it, it's definitely me, but it, it's turned up a couple of levels. Um, you know, Cole, I, I share these childhood memories. When, when you were growing up, I believe you grew up in Deerfield, right? That's correct. You know, were you watching professional wrestling as a kid? And, and, and who were your favorite guys when you were a kid? Obsessed, obsessed with professional <laughs> wrestling. And I feel as like a Jewish kid in the suburbs in the 1980s that like I, I felt alone in my love for, for professional wrestling. It just didn't really seem like a thing that hit the suburbs that well, which is funny years later. But I saw it and somehow I got bit and I feel I was a child of like 1980s Cubs and also like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and GoBots <laughs> and like wrestling was the ultimate thing for all of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I love wrestling. It's funny. You said you went to the Allstate Arena. Well, my father took me to the Rosemont Horizon uh, right. uh, for my first match to see Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper. Oh, come on. There's some names right there. You, you just got to drop them in. Uh, Phil, when you was a kid, what were your, some of your earliest uh, professional wrestling memories? Well, it was a little different for me. Uh, I actually grew up in uh, Bermuda. And, um, okay. so, and I grew up without cable. So I actually came to wrestling by reading uh, and getting the magazines and things like that. But Eventually, once uh, I was finally able to start renting videos, our video store, our one local video store, luckily had a lot of wrestling. So I started at, I think it was WrestleMania Seven, and I went backwards mm -hmm. from from WrestleMania Seven. What just renting a videotape every week and watching. So when you got to experience that first live show, what was that like? From you know being able to sneak a couple peeks to seeing it in the magazines, what was it like to experience it for the first time live in person? Uh I was, it blew my mind. I was all in. Everything about it just captured me. I was a theater kid. So it, everything about like what wrestling was like really appealed to me. It just screamed, you know, characters and like immersion and fun and everything that you could possibly want. And when I moved to Chicago, I was here doing improv um, through Second City and Improv Olympic and places like that. And when I got into wrestling as a referee, like that kind of fell off because it was very much, scratching that performance itch for me because mm -hmm. instead of still just training at the schools, I was in front of a crowd every single weekend, multiple times a weekend, getting a chance to kind of play this character as a referee. Mm -hmm. Cole, when you realized that this is something that you wanted to participate in, did you realize, did you know if there was a, a, uh, 
an easy way in in Chicago? Was there schools? Did you see your path from, you know, loving this as, as a young adult to maybe making this a livelihood? I remember in junior high school making the decision that I was going to be a pro wrestler and nothing was going to stop me. And I even remember like looking up different camps and, oh, should I maybe fly and live in California or Ohio? But as you get older, you realize that like, oh, it's not that easy. And I wanted to be a pro wrestler right out of high school. I didn't want to go to college. My parents made me go to college. So I said, okay, if I'm going to go to college, I'm going to play college football. So when I'm in wrestling, it looks good on my resume. Got it. So after that first year of college football, I said, listen, I'm going to finish my education, but I'm also going to wrestle. Mm-hmm. I found a place in Portage Park on Irving Park Road across from a Dairy Queen where I trained for a couple of years in a storefront in Chicago and learned how to do the job. Is that place still there? The wrestling school is no longer there. The Dairy Queen is. Uh, <laughs> my friends will tell me. Some things sustain. <laughs> Phil, you, when you dig through that history, when you dig through those newsletters, how important is Chicago to the formation of what we would call modern day sports entertainment and professional wrestling? Um, I mean, Chicago was very fortunate in that it had, arguably it was the place that televised wrestling was born. And it was a television show called Wrestling for Marigold. There's Joe Walker taking him by the hair and pulling him back. Now Reggie Nasowski has a towel wrapped around Doc Gallagher's throat. The Marigold Arena, which was located at Grace Halstead and Broadway. There's an IHOP there now in a big church right there. Um, <laughs> hey, people still be wrestling in that parking lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, and that in those very early days of TV, there was nothing cheaper to film than wrestling. You needed a ring, you needed a light, you needed one camera, possibly uh, you know a commentator, and that was it. You know, you had the action going on, you had noise from the crowd. That's all you needed. And so that first boom period of television was the first chance for people actually to become national stars. And many people from the Midwest, Vern Gagne being one who was, a, who was very well known, who, who then started his own promotion in the Midwest, but people like Gorgeous George, Luthez, these very classic names that, were, that became huge stars because they were on television. It was the birth of like a television sports star. Wow. You know, yeah. Colt, you know, having wrestled some, some huge matches in front of Chicago crowds, you know, what does the energy feel like wrestling in, in your hometown, essentially? Yeah, I, I've some of my best matches, my, my most favorite matches have happened in Chicago or the Chicagoland area, including even recently, like matches in Logan Square, I, I remember. But it's fun because I think Chicago is a, a notorious sports town. And they always look after their sports uh, men and women. And so, you know, I think there is an attachment to me. I, I've always been very proud uh, of who I am, being a, a Chicago boy, living in the city for so long, and, and being from the Chicagoland area that uh, there's like, wrestling is good versus evil. And when you're from that hometown and they know you're from that hometown, it gives you like an extra oomph of good. Even though he's been away from AAW, for a couple of years now, he still very much calls this home literally and figuratively, and that's going to give him a major advantage over Larry D. He's had some very impressive outings in singles and in tags, but these people have watched Colt Cabana grow up and, and become a, a worldwide sensation over so many years. Uh, and also, 
just notoriously. Everybody knows that Chicago is a great wrestling town. And I think it has something to do with, obviously, you know, we're one of the bigger cities. And then there's also something about like the blue collar, just rough and toughness of a, of a, of a Chicago in. You know, Cole, for somebody who has never seen live wrestling, what would you tell them to expect, whether they're going out to the Rosemont, going to Logan Square, you know, in the park? Uh, what what should they expect? You know, I, I say live wrestling is just is the best. It really is. It's a live theater experience and you get to be immersed. There's something just a little more special than watching it on TV is being there live, being part of the show, interacting with the wrestlers. Me, myself, I there's something I love so much about interacting with the crowd because it's a one-off experience. It's a one of one. That performance will never happen ever again. And I personally, as a performer, I, I want to make that audience member a part of it. I want to make as many as I possibly can a part of the show. I've been very fortunate in Chicago to be in two matches like that, where the crowd, you understand what it means when they you, when a performer says a performer says it feels like the crowd is going to come over the guardrail. They lived and died by everything that these wrestlers did, and there is a literal physical electricity and energy that you are feeling from these people. And I'm feeling that as a referee and I'm just I'm just slapping my hand on a mat three times. Like the the performers themselves that are eliciting this reaction, I can't even begin to guess what that feels like. But getting a, to touch that just slightly, I would understand why anyone would want to do it for the rest of their life. I got to ask, what is your favorite Chicago wrestling moment? Phil, I'm going to start with you. If you had to whittle it down, what's your, what's your favorite Chicago moment? Oh my gosh. Okay. Um it's hard. It's hard. I think as a fan, um, it was it was WrestleMania 13, Bret Hart versus Steve Austin, one of the better matches that ever happened. And in terms of in in terms of touching that drama and that performance, like Colt has talked about, it was a match where Steve Austin comes in as a bad guy, Bret Hart is a good guy, and by the end of the match, they've completely switched. I've been screwed by Shawn Michaels. I've been screwed by Stone Cold Steve Austin. You scratch my back and I'll stab yours. There is no respect. Everybody in that dressing room knows that I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. That's Oscar drama right there when you can <laughs> when you can flip that around. That's a damn good pick. Colt, what <laughs> is your moment? For me personally, I will also... Go to WrestleMania 13, where my father, who knew somebody in the ticket industry, got me seventh row on the aisle. And during the Legion of Doom versus the Nation of Domination uh. in a Chicago street fight, you can see me getting in an actual fake wrestling fight with Road Warrior Hawk and throwing some punches at him, thinking that I was part of the Chicago street fight as a 16-year-old kid who loved wrestling so much. Hey, I got to go back and watch the tape. You got to walk me through <laughs> what training looks like, right? I imagine people can sign up for all kinds of gyms like CrossFit. You know, you can sign up for boxing, but to go into a professional wrestling like training center, what does that entail? Especially the smaller wrestling gyms are never going to be like gorgeous. They're never going to be a CrossFit gym or anything like that. It's very, it was very dingy 
and it's an old time ring and there's not a lot of room. And, you know, um, the trainers that, you know, they're not trying to buy this huge place. They're just trying to get by too. And so you walk in and they start teaching you little by little, the different tricks and trades of professional wrestling, all while for sure weeding the ones that aren't capable of doing it. So yes, you know, I, I took a beating, I got beat up, but how many, um, how many, how many chest slaps per day? Like I'm talking about the Walter Seamus (laughs) joints, like how many of them? Yeah. I mean, I remember one day they called it chop day and that Mm. was where you would, where you would learn how to, how to take a, take and receive a, an open knife edge chop to your chest as hard as possible. And you would stand in the corner and then people would just line up and it would be like a rotating door of people chopping you. And I remember I, one day it was at least 50 to a hundred and I still have the picture of me just lit up. It was crazy. I mean, when you, when you think about that, you know, Phil, you talked about what did the training look like from your end? Because I mean, I mean, some of the referees, they get involved from a physical element, but they're also out there helping orchestrate what we see going on, protecting people, you know, making sure that the the, the kind of match flows. You know, what does that training look like from your side of things? The guys sort of talk about, you know, you're invisible until we need to see you sort of thing. Um, and I think one of the biggest lessons I learned, especially from helping guys who were training because that's basically how I trained was just they would practice matches and I would I would referee those matches. What I learned from that was in some ways I had to be a conscience for them. Uh because these for so many of the wrestlers they don't want to stop and sometimes they have to be told that they need to stop because of various reasons someone could be injured something like that uh and they have this very show must go on driven mentality. And I have to kind of be that conscience for them at times and sort of look out for them. When do you know when to pop in and and to step in and protect somebody who, who you know, is adrenaline's rushing is going a, a million miles a minute? Um, it, it, it's something I had to develop over time uh, because an injury obviously can be from very, something very you know, safe realistically to like like a, a sprained ankle or something like that, all the way up to something obviously a lot more severe. Like I've been in the ring when guys have been knocked out and things like that. Cole, while you're going through this process, you know, taking the physical taxation of professional wrestling, learning your character, getting your mic work. Did you ever come into contact with those people who on the account that it's sports entertainment would call what you were doing fake? How how would you react and how would you have reacted to those people? Well, I think in my youth, I took big time offense to it Mm. and I would get very angry and I would want to protect this job that I was learning. And I think just like anything, as you get a little older and a little more mature, stuff just kind of slides off your back. And I I think it's almost kind of sad when someone will be like, that's fake. I think we all know what pro wrestling is. It's a show. It's predetermined. Um, And these these wrestlers, including myself, are you know, the highest caliber of athletes slash stuntman slash improvisers slash everything. It's just, you know, pro wrestling is like none other in the world. It's, it's just a, it's a genre of its own. Wrestling is such a, a transient gig, you know, people coming in and out from independent circuits to, to going international, you know, feel, how have you seen the audience though? How have you seen Chicago change either grow or shrink as it relates to the professional wrestling circuit since since you've been here i mean i think since i've been here what i've what i've seen grow out of the audience is the the variety of people mm-hmm. that are that are interested in it and and willing to watch it i remember when 
when I, after I first moved to Chicago and started going to independent shows, my girlfriend seemed to be the only one, only female in the audience, generally, besides the the women that might be wrestling on the show. And that, that has greatly changed. Uh, the, the demographic in terms of who's interested in wrestling has widened. And that a lot of that has had to do with wrestling kind of coming to terms with its own content, in a way, mm-hmm. is the best way to say it. And being more more open just to different perspectives and different presentations of what wrestling what wrestling yeah. is and what characters can be. Phil Wills is a wrestling historian and Cole Cabana is an independent wrestling legend. Uh, thank y'all so much for stopping by City Cash Chicago. Thank you. Jacoby, thank you so much. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. 22.3 million. That's the number of CTA rides so far in September. Despite complaints about scheduling, cleanliness, officials say riders are rebounding to pre-pandemic levels. After dropping their game over the weekend, the Red Stars need to win their final game Sunday to make the NWSL playoffs. Plus, they need Houston to lose their last match. Sorry, CityCast Houston, but, uh, you know, somebody got to lose. And some good news to get you through. And the Seville Arts Weekend returns Friday for its 18th year along Clark Street. They're going to have local shops, art classes, and wine tours. Check the link in the show notes for more info. Hopefully, we'll see you at a happy hour at Midwest Coast Brewing Thursday from 6 to 7.30. Come get a drink or two on the CityCast team. As always, we appreciate you for listening and reading. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Unless you're not reading, in that case, we're coming for you. (laughs) All right, cool.